Welcome to Human Impact Stories, hosted by Eileen Sweeney and Amy McGuire, two business leaders with background in corporate social responsibility and community outreach. More than human interest, these stories have human impact. And now, Human Impact Stories. Welcome to the Human Impact Podcast. I am Amy McGuire here today with my co-host Eileen Sweeney. Thank you for joining us today and please take a minute to subscribe to our podcast where you will hear untold and undertold stories of impact. And you can also find our show notes on humankindpartnership.com. And I'm Eileen Sweeney and today's episode features Jessica Ravelli. CEO of Working Women of Tampa Bay, as she talks about being a founder of a movement that empowers female small business owners and entrepreneurs and provides ongoing peer-to-peer support for her members. We also hear her story about building Working Women of Tampa Bay from scratch and building her own personal brand through a generosity approach. Her secret sauce is taking a non-traditional outlook on networking. Working Women of Tampa Bay is a success and somewhat a surprising one given its roots. Yet today, you will hear how it has continued to fill fill gaps for working women. Welcome, Jessica. Let's hear more about Working Women of Tampa Bay. Two questions to begin with. One is, tell us about yourself and your background, and how did that lead you to what you're doing now? Sure. Okay. So I'm Jessica Ravelli, (laughs) founder of Working Women of Tampa Bay and the Working Women Foundation. And uh, so about 11 years ago, well, actually almost 12 years ago now, I was a television news producer working at a local television station here in the Tampa Bay market. And I was loving what I was doing, but I wasn't feeling fulfilled, And, you know, I'll actually back up a couple years before 12. So I would say almost 14 years ago, I started seeing the writing on the wall that um, I wanted to have a greater impact on, um, you know, the world around me. And even though as a journalist, I think a lot of folks go into journalism because they have a very idealistic perspective of how, you know, journalism changes the world. And it really does. I think that I had reached a point in my career where I no longer felt like I was having the impact that I wanted to have. And and it's funny because flash forward 14 years and now everything is back to computer screen or go back to screens. (laughs) And so it's almost kind of come full circle, but I wanted to kind of get back from behind the camera and into the real world and make an impact. And I I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. So I went on a self-discovery journey that consisted of um, hypnosis, journaling, um, and a a bunch of different kind of, you know, modalities to help me pinpoint. I think I did some executive coaching to decide what was my next step because, It was actually a little bit of an identity crisis to think that, you know, there was life outside of television because I had, you know, dreamt of being a television news producer, you know, ever since I was like 15. 
and I had had a really wonderful career. And so to think that I was going to, you know, step out onto a journey of, of separating myself from that was actually pretty difficult. So there was a lot of work that got done, you know, years ago between the point where I knew that I was wasn't having the fulfillment from television that I wanted and to the creation of working women. And a lot of that, like I said, came from some phenomenal self-discovery modalities that helped me pinpoint what is, what is it I'm good at and um, what is it that I love to do and how do I combine the two of those things to create something special? So it was actually during a, during a journaling session Um, or like I was about to go to a a journaling workshop that I had this moment of clarity that I really loved connecting people. And I didn't realize how much I was doing that already in television as a, as a news producer, as a, um, an executive producer, I was doing that. I was just kind of doing it in a different format and I wanted to do it in person. And so I set on, on, on another journey, which was discovering, what what was networking like in Tampa Bay at the time? And this would have been like 2007, 2008. What I learned was a lot of the networking opportunities that were out there back then was felt very masculine. It was very transactional, very masculine. And as a 20-something-year-old female, um, I did not relate to it and I did not find value in it. And I was struck by the fact that there wasn't anything out there that spoke to me. And so I thought if it's not speaking to me, it must not be speaking to a lot of other women who were maybe at that stage of life I was, which was that transitional period, transitional stage. And so, um, yeah. And so I did what a lot of crazy, stupid 20-year-olds do, and I started it. And I, I always think that if I had had this brilliant idea when I was 30 something, I may not have done it. But (laughs) in your twenties, you're silly, you're stupid, you're naive, you're all the wonderful things that you hope to be in your twenties, brave. And um, you don't necessarily understand consequences, which was the perfect setup for me just going, okay, I will start something. And within one month of me having my idea I had um, already thrown my very first event. So in November of 2008, we held a lovely event at Casatina, which is a woman-owned business. I think she might have just celebrated either 25 or 30 years in business. It's located in uh, Dunedin, which is the perfect um, example of you know small business ownership is downtown Dunedin. And so we had our very first event there, and um, it was... Oh, gosh, 25, 30 women, and a lot of them women business owners or women that were looking to network. And then they say, as they say, the rest was history. And, um, you know, obviously, we kind of struck gold or struck oil with it. And, you know, the last really almost 12 years now has been um, an amazing roller coaster ride of just listening to Tampa Bay and finding out what's lacking and what, where the void is, and then building and evolving to fit those voids. And that's really what the last 12 years has been. And it's been, it's been a phenomenal ride, but it all started with just a 20 year old who 20 something year old who was not understanding why networking had to be 
masculine and stuffy and transactional and not fun and you know, and I'm sure that that's a really critical version of it. It probably wasn't that bad, but when you're in your twenties, you see things so black and white, you know, and it, and it felt like it could be improved upon. And that's what I set off to do. So Jessica, thank you. That is great. Tell our listeners what exactly is Working Women of Tampa Bay and also the foundation that you have formed that have just put so many women into business. Yeah, so 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 that idea turned into Working Women of Tampa Bay. Within um, six months, we launched a, a networking organization with 20 founding members with the hopes of offering affordability and accessibility to women business owners and also just professional women who wanted to connect and collaborate on a deeper level. Um, and so that's what Working Women is. And uh, it just celebrated its 11th birthday. Wow. And I know it's like, wow, where did the years go? I definitely have a lot more gray than when I first started. But um, but that's exactly what it is. It's a networking organization. It's an educational organization. Uh, we provide just as much educational programming as we do networking opportunities. Uh, it has uh, uh, usually about 750 members. We do um, about 20 events a month, which I know that we'll get into a little bit later in the, in the podcast, but has now a, a lot more digital uh, programming than what we used to, but we're still um, averaging about 20 uh, opportunities per month for women to connect. And then you mentioned the foundation about five years ago. I was so blessed with um, all the amazing opportunities I've had over the last 10 years that I wanted an opportunity to give back. And I wanted to do it in a very purposeful, strategic way. And so when I first started, I it took me, it was about $1,000 that I spent to get my website up and running. That was my first initial kind of, in, you know, capital investment. <laughs> and um, I remember having to, uh, I think, put it on a credit card or something like that. Wow. And, and so, um, and so I was like, I would love to be able to help women like me take that next step in their business and provide a little bit of seed money, just enough to get them over the hump of maybe like a purchase that would take them to the next level, like whether it's a website or a logo. And so we set off on creating a foundation, the Working Women Foundation. I think it's about five years now. We've already raised, well, we've raised more than 50,000, but we've already distributed $50,000 in seed money to I think it's like about 65 women in the Tampa Bay area um, to help them start or grow their business. So we've done everything from websites to had videos produced for them um, to uh, we bought one lady a zero turn riding lawnmower, which I didn't know what a zero turn (laughs) riding lawnmower was, but she was wanting to pivot from a... um, a, uh, to doing residential to uh, commercial la- uh, landscaping and lawn mowing. And so she needed that mower. So we bought her a mower. So we've literally, I mean, you name it, we've either purchased it or wrote a check, usually in the form of $1,000 in order for these small business owners. It's just a little bit of help. But and you know what I think was is the most amazing thing is that a lot of the feedback that we're getting from these ladies that we've seated 
is um, that they that that the vote of confidence behind the money is almost as important as the money. So yes, it's great that they have a thousand dollars to have to check kind of check something off their wish list, but the fact that they have an organization like ours um, that has said we believe in you and we believe in your idea is almost as powerful as the thousand dollars. And I would never have imagined that, but that's the feedback I get from so many of the seed money recipients. So, so yeah, so that's where we're at. And um, we, um, it's been a phenomenal almost 12 years now. And we're just so grateful that we're in a position to give back through a foundation that is so closely tied with our mission. So for us, when we were thinking about you, uh, Jessica, and for us, we, we usually introduce a word for our guests. Uh, Amy and I are word buffs. And um, when we thought about you, we did think about the word connection, and you've already talked about that. Um, but how, how does Working Women of Tampa Bay promote the connection among your members? Well, I think there's a couple things that happen. One, and I always say that it was almost like fairy dust got sprinkled over us <laughs> at the beginning of our, um, our inception or our, you know, the, on, the, on the day that we were born. Um, but we're so blessed to have authentic, genuine women who want to see other women do well. We have so many of those kind of women in the group that a lot of what happens happens organically. And so there's a little bit of magic that happens that I don't even have to control because the women that in our the women that join the group are in it for such great reasons that some of it happens organically. And so you know the fact that you uh, so you Eileen and Amy were able to connect at the conference um, you know, that was something that, yes, you know, maybe I was the architect of the space in which you connected, but the fact that you both uh, were called to be there, um, you know, some of that is organic and, and special and, and hard to kind of put your finger on. So I would say that we're really blessed to have just really great members and that we're really blessed that that the brand itself speaks to those kind of women. And so it is organic, but I think, um, you know, we really have a philosophy that it's a pay it forward. You know, you, you want to help because you want to help and not because you're going to get something back from it. So there's, there's a lot of giving that happens in the group without a lot of what I call scorekeeping um, and we try to really promote the lack of scorekeeping. And so um, there are other organizations, not just in Tampa Bay or beyond, but they um, quantify the leads and the revenue generated within the group, which actually makes them really great at what they're trying to do, which is mm -hmm. be um, lead generators but in our group, we don't believe that it's necessary to quantify that number because a lot of what happens in our organization is not quantifiable. It's quality versus quantity. And so it could also be the reason why we 
we're, we're able to facilitate such deeper connections is that we're not trying to place some sort of formula or financial um, quota around the relationships that get built. So it could be a little bit of that that happens too. Um, and I think that we try to stress you know, this belief that, you know, we're just in it to help one another and be a resource to one another. And um, I think maybe the fact that like both of you have presented at our organization and you presented because you wanted to share the wealth of knowledge that you have, not necessarily because either one of you thought I'm going to get something out of it. That's so true. I have to say there are a thousand things I could say on why it's so important to be a part of your organization. And I think I've found 10,000 of them. But one is just the feeling that comes with when you're in the presence of some of these groups. Like I've met the most incredible women of all sizes of businesses and personalities, and it's just been great. So kudos to you for this dream. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. So, uh, and I would have to echo that. Um, so when, when you were starting out, I, I really love the story about being this 20 or 20 something who wouldn't have done it as a 30 something. That's pretty interesting. Um, what were some of the, the challenges that you had to overcome in the beginning? Well, um, when you're young, and I've had this my whole life, I was always kind of the youngest at whatever I was doing. So even when I was in TV, I started tele- I started my career at only 19. And so I was the young, the young one. Young Jess is usually what they used to call me at all the TV stations I worked at. I worked at four in 10 years. And I was almost always the youngest at all four of those stations. And um youth provides you a couple of things. It provides you the opportunity to be mentored um, and to seek mentorship and not um, feel like maybe like you're too good to learn and develop. And so I was really lucky that um, my, my youth being young at everything that I did allowed me a little bit of grace for when I made mistakes. Um, and it allowed me the opportunity to seek out mentors in a very, um, ooh, I, I was almost thinking of like non-threatening way. Mm-hmm. Cause so often, like when you're the, you're the one who's kind of coming up in your career, you might be bumping up against someone else and they might look at you as a potential threat. And so for most of my career, I got away without, I got away without having to be that, that kind of, uh, up and comer that somebody had to keep their eye on in an, in a negative way. But I do think that youth kind of, there's, there's a, you know, double-edged sword there is that you sometimes don't get taken seriously. And Mm -hmm. so I think that that impacted working women in the beginning, because it was like, who is this new girl on the block? You know, I didn't have a personal brand at the time. Um, I did also, I was kind of selling and I, a concept that at the time wasn't, um, you know, just wasn't kind of part of Matt, like, uh, you know, the mass, mass part of Tampa Bay. Let me, let me rephrase that. When I started, it was such a new concept that I had to do an awareness campaign just on why would you join a women's networking group? 
versus a chamber or a leads group or some of the other options. So I think my youth, the lack of personal branding and reputation in Tampa Bay as a community leader probably was a challenge in the first couple of years. But luckily, because social media was just kind of taking off at the time, I was able to kind of almost like leapfrog a little bit. And I would say, because we grew so fast that anybody who was a denier of what working women was all about quickly became a believer because it was really hard to, um, it was really hard to deny the success we had had. So within, you know, year one, we had 150 members year two, we had 300 members. And by year three, we had 600 members. So all of a sudden there's this women's networking group that popped up out of nowhere with 600 members and 20 events going on like year four. And suddenly my youth and my lack of personal reputation in the community didn't matter. It could stand on its own two feet without me. And so, yeah. So any challenges we had in the beginning of kind of selling the concept and my youth behind, you know, being this kind of, you know, who is this 20 something year old trying to start a networking group in Tampa Bay. Um, That that all kind of faded away once working women got as popular as it did. So um, I, you know, you mentioned mentors. Is that sort of part of your organization? Is there maybe a formal mentoring or is it more informal? It's more informal. We've actually tried our hand at more formal networking multiple times Um, And I know that both of you have been involved in mentorship um, through other networking groups or other professional groups as well. Um, As somebody who is now 12 years into their career in this particular industry, I have to say that it's a very difficult thing trying to execute a a well-managed mentorship uh, program. What I find is that women really do not like, well, I feel like I'm stereotyping a little bit, but I would say that most of our women in our organization tend to lean toward things that happen organically. And so any type of deep relationship that they have because of our organization has become it's almost like a little serendipitous. And so we have found anytime we try to formalize, corral, put a boundary around something, like, you know, it really does not work. And so now I'm about to break my rule because (laughs) we're starting these goal-getter success circles. And every time I say that, I wonder why I created a phrase that takes that much energy to come out of my <laughs> mouth because I really have to make sure that I don't mess them up. But um, so we're starting those, we're launching them tomorrow. And this is going to be another attempt we have at some sort of formalized, moderated, um, in this case, accountability goal accountability with goals. And I'm really hoping that this works this time. And I think it might work better than what we've tried in the past, because it's a small intimate group of no more than 10 women 
All they do is meet once a month. It's via Zoom. So there's not having to get in the car, sitting in traffic, you know, so that there's all these other kind of reasons why you wouldn't attend. Um, And so we're going to try them. We're going to launch, I think we're going to launch four. I think we're going to try to launch four in the next month. We already have enough signups for those. And so it's not quite mentorship, but it is something where we're going to attempt to facilitate and moderate what we hope is um, more, more, um, a, a more planned outcome. But I have to say, I think the women in our organization really love the lack of boundaries and the lack of burdens and that that's kind of our secret sauce. We don't require you to come to this many meetings. We don't require you, um, you know, all these kind of things that women tend to just go, oh my God, I, it's one more thing on my plate. I'm already running my business, taking care of my family, taking care of my parents, all these other things that women do. I think sometimes formalizing things, it's like, it's almost like, um, it's like, I, I don't want to go to a gym, right? And so if you get it, you build it up in your mind that it's work. And our philosophy has always been, we're trying to take the work out of networking. I look forward to hearing how those go because I think it's a great idea. And I think just by the nature of how you've organized these could be great learning opportunities. And I do think you're right. I've even seen it. I know if I have a question for a women, I come to your group. I come to those members that are that are so engaged and yet you have the experts that run the whole spectrum, whether it's landscaping, baking, CEOs, CFOs of some of the biggest companies. Um, so I think that's really incredible. I wanted to ask you, about just um, your thoughts, um, diversity and inclusion. How are you feeling about that right now? Um, you have a diverse group. Uh, any thoughts or programming down in, in the horizon possibly for what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, it's it's something that we've, I think every organization has struggled with. I, I There's not a whole lot of organizations that I see in Tampa Bay that I would say has the perfect recipe for uh, diversity and inclusion. And I think one of the stumbling pot blocks that organizations face is that, um, that it's, it's difficult to necessarily recruit. Um, it, it, you have to be really strategic, right, about who you're inviting. And because working women has always been that has always had the belief that whoever signs up, signs up. And we don't have, you know, we don't have recruitment. Um, So that it's been a little difficult for us, just as I think it's been for other organizations, but I do think it's super important. And the reason why is, is that we only grow and expand as professionals if we are surrounded by, in this case, women, but really both genders that are different from us. And so often organizations get stuck in a comfort zone where, you know, they, they have the same 20, 50, 100, depending on how big the organization is, women or, you know, in the case of a gender, both or case of a chamber, both genders. So I think, um, just as much as you personally need to kind of break out of your comfort zone, organizations need to break out of their comfort zones. Um, And I think that 
making sure that they are including you know, diverse people in their organization is important for both the growth of the organization, but also the growth of the people within the organization. Um, And I think we could all do a better job as community leaders at listening to underserved populations in our market and finding out what they need. Because I think what we would find is that there's probably a lot of underserved populations in our in our area that are seeking education that maybe we don't currently provide. And so I think I think a whole lot of listening needs to go on um, in our area, and I think a whole lot of um, really being purposeful on who you maybe not who you ask to be a part of the organization, but who do you engage with in hopes of, of, of growing your organization in the future. But, um, but I think we could all get better. I know working women could definitely get better at it. And, um, you know, and I, I think working women will only get better as an organization, the more diverse we get. The one thing I have to say about our organization from a diversity perspective and it may not be an ethnicity diversity, but we have a phenomenal diversity among age groups in our group. Yeah, and yeah. I love that. I love, love it. Absolutely. That we have everyone from right out of college to senior level women in our group. And I love that they connect on a deeper level. And there's a lot of intergenerational mentoring that happens organically within the group. I find that the seniors in our group, um, and, and I'm not necessarily in age, but in in level of maturity in their profession, tend to be phenomenal um, uh, mentors to the younger generation when it comes to just life skills. But then I think the younger generation does a fantastic job reverse mentoring uh-huh. some of our older uh, generational women um, on technology. So like Instagram, TikTok. I mean, there are stuff that like, I even feel like I'm too old for like boomerang. Like I'm like, okay, I don't need to be on a boomerang, you know, where it makes your picture kind of crazy. Um, and so, um, yeah, I love that. So that's where we are doing a great job is the diversity among the, um, the women in our group, the professions in our group, the business owners in our group and the ages in our group. But we as an organization could get better at diversity among ethnicity in our group for sure. So, um, you know, we have absolutely seen your pivot, uh, to, doing online meetups and trainings and um, even your online, uh, your virtual coffees. So can you um, just share with us, how did that happen other than the backdrop of the pandemic? How did it happen and how is that working for you? Well, necessity is the mother of invention, right? (laughs) And so what makes working women differently than a lot of other networking groups in Tampa Bay is that this is my business. You know, this is what puts food on my table. And so I didn't have the luxury that some of the other organizations had in Tampa Bay to kind of take a state step back and reflect and then 
and then pivot in a maybe a more strategic way. Mine was really like, I don't, I don't want this ship to go down, you know? And, and back in March, I never envisioned that anyways. I really did think that we were just about to just hit like a small speed bump. Um, but small speed bump or what has turned into a large speed bump, um, doesn't matter. It was, it was that something had to be done immediately. I think the other thing for me is I feel such a sense of responsibility to our members that if I don't have regular programming on the calendar on a weekly basis, I feel like I'm letting my members down. And I'm not sure other organizations feel that responsibility as much as I do. I'm, I'm somebody that I think that's why I, I was such a good journalist and I, I, and I loved journalism was that sense of responsibility and accountability. And I bring that to working women. And so it was really important to me that when we had to basically go, well, we didn't have to go virtual, but we definitely couldn't meet in person because of CDC guidelines of not being able to meet in groups of more than 10. I really didn't feel like there was any other options. It was like, okay, we go virtual or, or I'm letting 700 plus women down. And Mm -hmm. so we pivoted almost immediately. So our last big event was International Women's Day. We're really blessed that we snuck that in (laughs) um, right before they shut us down. And so we had, I think, 350, 400 women in the room for that. And then I want to say within two weeks, we had completely gone virtual. And then the entrepreneur in me saw a real opportunity that with all these women sitting at home, a lot of them not having this much free time in a long time, um, what would I do? And I would wanna, I would wanna use that time wisely. And so we just completely, um, not only did we pivot to all virtual programming, but we basically um, doubled doubled our programming. So at some point we were doing eight Zooms a week. Um, There was, I think in the month of April, we did, we might've done 30 something Zooms in a month. And um, we were really lucky because we had so many amazing members that wanted to teach them and so many amazing members that wanted to learn that it was the perfect combination. So yeah, so we pivoted quickly. I think it was out of necessity and also my feeling of responsibility of wanting to make sure that we continued our promise of the programming, that when you sign up, you're going to have access and it's going to be affordable. So we only charge $10 for our events, for our programming. And um, I think a lot of women took advantage of that for, you know, I want to say that we ended up doing like, I want to say we've done at least 100 Zooms since mid-March. Jessica, you have been so wonderful here. And full disclosure, I'm doing one of your intentional circles, I believe. Um, and uh, looking forward to that. Is there, so, so that's a chance to talk about what you're doing in the, um, the future. Anything else that you've got planned? Uh, and I guess a question I'd have is, do you see sort of when the pandemic has you know, dissipated, and you can have those in-person um, events that you're really well known for. Uh, do you see that you will be keeping this Zoom 
element to your uh, connections or uh, do you see that they may go away in favor of the in-person? Yeah, I say, I've said this several times in the last six months that the silver lining of my COVID cloud (laughs) is the fact that we were forced to embrace digital virtual programming. And I mean, things were going so well for working women pre-COVID that I was in such a, my comfort zone that I may not have tested out this mm. form of programming had I not had my hand forced. And so um, so that's a long answer to say, yes, that we are going to keep digital programming in the future. And we're, you know, lucky that, that that is the one thing that we feel like has been a COVID blessing is that we've been able to test it and we've had such a great response that now we, we feel comfortable putting it on. Um, I don't think that it can replace the in-person because I think that just like, you know, I said to Amy that my concern for the future for the next generation is this disconnection that, you know, our women are already feeling, if not have been feeling disconnected because of COVID. So it's not like we would replace our in-person events with um, the virtual programming. So those will, as soon as we can bring them back in a safe way, we will. But the big feedback that I've gotten over the last six months is I would never have been able to attend that particular workshop or I would never have been able to learn that particular skill had it not been offered virtually. And so I believe... Oh, gosh, last time I checked, we had had already 500 women attend a virtual a virtual workshop, but that was months ago. So we might even be at like six or 700. So if 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 we were able to reach double the amount of women because of this new uh, format, then I feel like we're doing a better job as an organization. So we will keep virtual workshops for sure. And in fact, the other thing that we're working on for uh, the fall is creating a video series that will help women start businesses in the right way. Um, And that will be done um, in in video So you'll be able, so we'll have women who are brand new to business, owning a business, be able to watch videos on, you know, why would you choose an S Corp? Why would you choose an LLC? How do you file for a DBA with the state? How do you get your very first bank account? Um, I know a lot of those things we kind of take for granted, but when you're brand new to business, a lot of times you just go to Google and you put it in and you hope (laughs) that the answer you get is right. And it's not always right. (laughs) And so we're going to lean on our members who are uh, lawyers, accountants, bookkeepers, um, and kind of like uh, that are part of the startup community to help us create a video series so that a woman who wants to start a business could just from like basically log on to the video vault and um, pretty much any question they have about how to get started, they'd be able to watch a video on. 
So we're excited about being able to- I wish I'd had that. That I know. That is awesome. I I mean, we all the lessons I learned, I wrote down in my journal, but that would be great. All the things you don't know. Uh, (laughs) I always say, you don't know what you don't know. Uh, Tell us, Jessica, we think we have some great words to describe um, you and your mission and your story, but certainly connect. What is your sort of favorite word and how do you live it? Well, I love the word connector. And obviously, I connect to the word connector. But another word that I learned at the same time that I learned the word connector um, was the word maven. So oh, that, those okay. words appear in um, Mal- Malcolm Gladwell's right. book. And it was funny because when I read that book, I, um, I almost felt, I'm like, oh, my God, I don't know what, what I am more. Am I a maven or am I a connector? And I know you can be both. But um, I almost felt like I was having like a little bit of an identity crisis when I read that book because I'm like, oh my God, I feel like I'm 100% both. But what I love about the word maven is that it's somebody that really takes the time to learn how to do something really well. And, um, and mavens tend to be people in the community that you go to when thing and and or when you want to know somebody and so um I just I because of my journalism background I have such a, an interest in learning about in depth about so many things that I tend to be not only collectors of people but collectors of information so I will tell you you know what to order at a restaurant or you know who do you need to go see like at the aquarium or, you know what I mean? I just tend to like collect information. And so I really like the word maven a lot too. And I'm like so grateful that I read that book almost at the beginning of working women because it really helped me self-identify about what it is that kind of separates me from maybe other people. And the fact that I am a connector and a maven allows me to be a great resource for anybody in the community, not just women. And then because, because I look at myself as a resource, I start to look like, I start to look at everybody as a resource. And then I start thinking who needs to know that person to be better at what they do. And I think it, it, you know, it, 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 it's the perfect combination of what a, a leader of a, a, a networking community or a community of women should be. So yeah, I guess. Fabulous. I That's fabulous. This has been oh. great. Oh my gosh. This has been so great. And uh, we're so grateful to you. Uh, was there anything that you wanted to say that we didn't ask you? Because this is a chance to, is there any addendum, anything else? Um, um, I would just say, and oh, number one, thank you to both of you for, for um, being, um, for interviewing me, but also for, for being resources to our community. You know, we're, I'm just so grateful that there are women like both of you out there that, um, that have such a a great background 
and such an interesting background, both corporate and entrepreneurial. And the fact that you've got this great combination and that you you both have decided to be resources to women in our community, you know, I'm I'm grateful for that. And I think it's really important that we just continue to support one another. And even though during COVID, there's been a little bit of a disconnect in general among, I think, everybody. I think it's given everybody an opportunity to kind of like um, take a step back and reflect. Like, I think one of you mentioned that earlier. Um, And when you do take a step back and reflect, often you kind of disconnect to what's going on in order to be able to do that. So I do think as as a collective, we've taken a step back and reflected and maybe kind of self-isolated more than usual. But I think when we circle back around and post-COVID, we will have been able to apply everything that we were able to learn through the self-reflection and be better people because of it. But it will be really important that once life returns back to what it will be the new normal, that we double down on our commitment as women to help one another because we had such phenomenal momentum prior to COVID. I mean, women were killing it, starting businesses faster than ever, um, becoming elected officials faster than ever. I mean, we really had some phenomenal momentum going into 2020. And I think we kind of took a collective pause. And so when we resume, we need to resume with that momentum behind us. And so that we continue to accelerate the uh, progression that we have as a gender into power, powerful roles that will long-term impact the quality of life that we have, especially in our country. So that's what my hope is, is that, yes, we all needed a pause. I think we were all maybe chasing our tails around too much. But when we come back, we need to come back stronger than ever, and we need to be willing to help one another um, take a step up in their career or wherever their next goal is. And we hope that working women can be a part of that. This is um, you all are going to be a leader in that. I, yeah. I, I just want to say something real quickly. I, I really feel like what you just said is so powerful. If there are just three lessons we can all take away, I don't know exactly what those are, but I think as we come back stronger, how we continue to help. And right now, women are so stretched, uh, probably more than they ever have been, because many of my peers, I, I, I kind of take their load in the morning because I don't have six, seven, eight, nine, ten year olds that I need to get started online. You know, I, I have kids in college and in high school. So we've all teamed together on that. And I think we can celebrate. There's a lot more celebration to this. So I I think you're the organization to help make it happen. And I think I speak for Eileen and I both to say, when you start doing that and you need help, let us help. Anything we can do, it's so important. Oh, definitely. (laughs) I will be reaching out to both of you. And hopefully this, um, the time between what is now and the time that we're back is getting shorter and shorter. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, I mean, I'm already starting to think it might be 2021 Mm -hmm. um, before we're back at it like 100 percent. But but when we're back at it, I think it'll be a powerful time for sure. Can um, uh, everything. This has been so great, Jessica. Um, If our listeners want to connect with you and and with uh, working women, um, can you just 
do a plug for yourself right now that we can yeah. add to this? Yeah. Sure. So the easiest way to get involved in Working Women is to go to our website first, which is workingwomenoftampabay.com. And on the website, you'll be able to see a little bit more about what our organization is all about. And you'll see the event calendar. And all of our events are always open to non-members. So um, we don't have any rules about you have to be a member to join or to, you know, well, let me start that over. So if you want to get involved, the best way to do it is to go to our website, workingwomenoftampabay.com. And on there, you'll find everything you need to learn about how to join or how to just become a part of the event. So all of our events are open to non-members. So it's a great way to kind of test out if Working Women is right for you. Also on the website, you'll see the foundation page, and that will share a little bit more about if you are a brand new business owner, how you can go about applying for the seed money. But um, yeah, the website is a phenomenal resource to just kind of share a little bit about us. And then obviously, we're all over social. So um, (laughs) Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, YouTube, you know, we, we really have it covered. So um, you can always kind of check us out on social by just typing working women of Tampa Bay into any of um, any of those platforms and we'll pop up as well. And now's a great time to check us out because to jump on a one hour coffee zoom for $10 is a great, is affordable and accessible for somebody who just wants to learn a little bit more about us. So um, yeah, that was a great time to kind of test out if, if we're the right organization for you, but thank you again, both of you for um, allowing me time to share a little bit about my feelings about uh, our fantastic Tampa Bay women's community and um, about our organization in specific. And thank you so much to both of you for what you do for the women's community to continue to make sure that, Um, women in Tampa Bay have strong leadership and role models like the two of you to aspire to be. So thank you, ladies. Thank you, Jessica, for sharing your story with us today, giving us great examples of your work during the pandemic and for bringing us the great word maven. You definitely are one. To learn more, please go to www.otb.com for information on Working Women of Tampa Bay. And again, thank you for listening to Human Impact Stories. Human Impact Stories is produced by Jody Locke with technical support and editing provided by Kevin Tice.